can you introduce us to your bike? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, so so I got two bikes. Back in late summer, we went to Jean's house in the Boston suburbs. So I do most of my like long endurance rides on this bike. To go for a quick training ride. If I only have about an hour, this is the course that I do, which is quick. It's 12 miles. There's one pretty big hill. You know, you'll accelerate up to about 30. So Jean's in head-to-toe cycling gear. Helmet, spandex shirt, spandex shorts, special shoes that click into the pedals. The thing is, these are the new pedals that I've never actually ridden on since I was trying to decide. Is today the, the morning to do that? Are you uh, ready to ride? I'm ready. Jean and my co-host Rob Pease get on their bikes. They head out. Bon voyage! But something stops Jean at the end of the driveway. I don't want to clip in. I might need to change my shoes. At the last minute, Jean decides, no. It's not the day to try out the new pedals. Especially after what happened a few months ago. So I was out on a ride with my riding partner, Muhammad. We were probably about 15 miles into the ride. We stopped to take a picture, and I made a joke saying, you know, to my friend who lives in Stoughton, I sent him the picture. I said, hey, watch out for fast-moving vehicles. Gene and his friend got back in their bikes and started going up a hill. Gene was halfway up the hill, standing on his pedals, when something strange happened. I just went down. Like, it was just weird. Like, I lost control of the bike and just kind of went down in the road. One foot hit the ground, and then I lost control of the bike, and then I kind of landed in the road, kind of like doing the splits. Because it's also hard when you're, like when you're clipped in. Oh, yeah. And you lose control. Like, it's very, like, you, you know, you can't really. They're a hostage. Yeah. Gene <laughs> yeah. fell in the middle of the road, one foot still clipped into his pedal. So I was fortunate there wasn't a car or another rider or like a garbage truck behind me. He picked himself up, cleaned himself off, and looked at his bike. It was all scratched up, the wheel was bent, the seat was ruined and there was a small metal object lying on the ground. Then I saw that the pedal was not, you know, was kind of in the road, and I was like, man, that's what happened, the pedal snapped. I would say also, it just kind of like shakes your confidence a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. You know, as a bigger guy, like, when I, when I have to turn it loose, like, you don't really want to be thinking, like, is my equipment going to fail? This is My Body Odyssey, a show about the rewards and challenges of an active lifestyle. I'm Brittany Thomas. And I'm Robert Pease. Fortunately, no pedals snapped on my ride with Generational Gene. That could have gone so badly. It's every cyclist's nightmare. Luckily, Gene wasn't seriously hurt, just a little banged up. But it did set him back a couple of weeks in his training for the Pan Mass Challenge. The Pan Mass is a two-day, 200-mile cycling ride across Massachusetts. Gene has completed the Pan Mass Challenge four times, and this year, he's going for his fifth. Last season, we met Generational Gene at a different cycling event. That one was for diabetes, because Gene has a family history of diabetes, and he's using cycling to hold off that condition. Some days, you know, it feels like you pedal to save your life, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways, these sort of events, you really are. Like so many of us, Gene says he's trying to lose a bit of weight, especially because being overweight increases the risk of diseases that run in his family, like diabetes and also cancer. So these signals that the fat cells send out can be uh, carcinogenic or cancer-causing, essentially. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Dr. Chika Inekwe, who's a specialist in obesity medicine at Mass General and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. 
According to the National Institutes of Health, more than two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese, and Gene's cycling hundreds of miles a week, pedaling, as he says, to prolong his life, not just for himself, but for the people around him. For Gene, health isn't just a personal struggle. It's a family issue. Welcome back! <laughs> you want to go inside? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. After my ride with Gene, we sat down at his dining room table. Well, I've been told that I've got a face for radio, so this will be good. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. Respectfully. <laughs> Gene's a really busy guy. He's a father, husband, a superintendent in the Boston Public Schools, and he's finishing up his PhD. Oh, I got till like 11.30 or noon. Okay. And there was a lot to talk about, so we dove right in. I'm curious to hear more about your dad and mm. if, if your love for sports came from him or other places. So my dad played basketball in high school. The thing we had in common with sports were the Chicago Bulls. We both really liked the Chicago Bulls. 16 seconds left, one. You know, I used to watch a lot of NBA games with my dad. 11, 10. In the 90s, which I think is the golden age of the NBA. Fire! He scores! The Bulls lead 87-86. Gene played basketball in high school, along with football and track. In college, he was a sprinter. Can you um, describe yourself as a young athlete? How, how, how old is young? Because I still, still like to think of myself as a young athlete. <laughs> Gene had sort of a love-hate relationship with sprinting. Track is really just managing different levels of misery. <laughs> things we do for track are the things that you do when you get punished in other sports. Like, oh, you messed up. <laughs> Go run a lap. All those workouts, all those laps around the track, the hours in the gym with coaches, and then the race is over in a matter of seconds. But those seconds are pure adrenaline. You know, I, I enjoyed really the competition. I didn't like running so much as I liked running fast, right? And it's the love of competition that kept Gene coming back again and again. At that point, he was in the best shape he'd ever been in, or has been since. One of the really good things about being in college is that you don't have to think about when you're going to work out or what your workout is going to be. You just have to show up and you're told, right? And it's, and it's you know, habits, rituals, and schedules. You know, I've always kind of been at my best when, I'm, when you've got rituals and you've got schedules and you're kind of on a program. After college, all the coaches and scheduled practices disappeared. Gene didn't really follow an exercise program, at least not like in college. The closest thing to a routine he found was playing basketball. Yeah, yeah. I'd be in one or two leagues and I would play pickup. So like four days a week I was playing. Until he got busy. You know, you change jobs and now you're a principal and now you can't play four times a week as easily. Now it's like, you know, one or two times a week. And I mean, I gained 50 pounds from the time I started being a principal. Like, that was like a major lifestyle shift. Long hours at work and a long commute made it hard for him to fit in exercise. Because it, it ends up a lot, in a lot of people, it's what is the last thing to, to get scheduled and the first thing to get cut. And before he knew it, like so many of us, Gene was experiencing that middle-aged weight gain. You know, I think I was, I think I was 290 pounds at this point. One of Gene's friends picked up on that change. One of my best friends that I ran track with, um, 
you know, we were, you know, you know, workout partners for many years. Like we would lift weights. Um, we'd go to the gym together, you know, and he bet me that I couldn't lose 40 pounds before New Year's. So I weighed in on September 1st. I'm not going to tell you what the bet was for, uh, but or actually I'll tell you, it was a slap bet. The winner got to slap the loser in the face five times. <laughs> So oh, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, you, you thought I was going to say money or something. It was, it was, it was a humiliation bet, which is actually really, really uh, effective. You know, because I, I lost forty two pounds. Wow. But the interesting thing is, Gene didn't lose forty two pounds just by exercising more. It wasn't by restarting his old track program. That premise of exercise as a means of losing weight is really not a, a solid premise to begin with. Dr. Chika Inekwe is an obesity and preventative medicine physician at Mass General Brigham. What Dr. Inekwe is saying is that exercise is good for maintaining weight, not losing weight. In part, she says, because when we exercise more, we often eat more too. Exercise is, is not scientifically known to be a successful tool for causing weight loss, but dietary changes can be. And most of the recommendations are going to involve, number one, a reduction in calorie intake. So without doing that, you're you're really not going to be able to lose weight. And that's pretty much exactly what Gene did. What I had to do in order to, to lose the 40 pounds was no alcohol, no dairy products, no refined sugars, you know, barely any bread or anything like that. You know, my breakfast was like one or two hard-boiled eggs, no coffee. By New Year's, Gene had lost over 40 pounds in just four months. So I was able to win that bet, which was satisfying. Um, in case Colin Rose is listening, I just want to remind him again, I was the winner. I think I still have two, two of the slaps that I haven't taken yet. <laughs> but keeping that weight off, Colin, if you're still listening, that was an entirely different story. Gene boomeranged right back to the weight he was before. And that's a lot to do with this concept of the set point, which our body has, where it wants to hold on to this particular body weight, which for many people often is a higher body weight than is what is considered healthy. Um, and no matter what you do to lose that weight, to bring it down, it always wants to go back to that set point. The set point describes how the body seems to always tend toward a particular weight, kind of like an equilibrium. And as we age, that set point gradually ratchets upward. So a lot of what we're doing in targeting obesity is helping to lower the set point so it's easier to maintain the weight at a lower level. Doctors try to help patients lower the set point by not trying to cut a bunch of weight at once, like Gene did. Your body's just going to go right back to that set point. Instead, they recommend losing a little at a time. Lose, say, 10% of your body weight, then try to maintain that. Let your body adjust. Then try and lose a little more, like stairs, going down one step at a time. But that can take a while, and it can be hard to find that patience, especially with your family medical history in the back of your mind. Every family kind of has its own way of like talking about family history, but also in particular talking about family health history. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how that was for your family. Really, we didn't really talk about it too much. Really, it's only as my dad is in his 70s that we, we talk about it now. Several years ago, Gene's dad was diagnosed with diabetes. 
is it both your grandfather and your father yes. who have diabetes? Yes. And how are they doing? You know, my dad. My dad's doing okay. He's ha- he does have some, you know, some complications. Um, you know, due to his condition, circulation, and you know, you know, foot wounds and stuff. But you know, you have to make changes in terms of your rest, in terms of your exercise, in terms of your, you know, your 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 diet. And I think uh, my dad's been doing those things, and I've been, you know, trying to also, uh, you know, do similar things. The diabetes diagnosis was a wake-up call for Gene. Gene went to the doctor and found out he was also at risk. If he didn't change his lifestyle with diet and exercise, he could wind up with diabetes too. Over the last five years, my A1C is down. You know, uh, my doctor is very pleased that I am that I am doing cycling. Every time I, I go for my physical, I weigh less than the last time. My numbers have been moving in the right direction. Unlike Gene's New Year's slap bet, Gene has lost this weight slowly, gradually, over the course of five years. This little-by-little approach gives his set point a chance to recalibrate. And this time, Gene's motivation wasn't getting to slap his friend Colin five times in the face. His motivation was his father's diabetes and learning just how bad excess fat can be. One of the things I've learned in the last couple of years is that you know, cellulose and fat tissue is biologically active. Which means that they produce hormones and they have signals that are sent throughout the body. Dr. Chika Inekwe of Mass General. And they're basically considered an endocrine organ in that sense. So these signals that the fat cells send out can be uh, carcinogenic or cancer-causing, essentially. Before Gene's dad got diabetes, no one in the family talked about health. But the diagnosis was an elephant in the room. And it opened the door to talking about their whole family health history across generations. And Gene discovered all sorts of information that could be relevant to him. Like things that afflicted his grandfather that could be in Gene's future too. And I found out that he had had like, you know, he'd had part of his um, large intestine removed as well. And that I think relates to like, to my situation that I think I probably inherited from him. The situation that Gene is referring to isn't diabetes. He's talking about a medical issue he discovered a few years ago, which in some ways is much scarier. I talk about colonoscopies a lot more than the, the average person because I'm, you know, because I very well may have saved my life going when I did. Several years ago, a few unrelated things came together to cause Gene to go see his doctor. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with Ibram Kendi on a... Uh, professional development for BPS. Gene was working on a project with the well-known writer and professor, Ibram Kendi. Kendi was then still in his 30s and had already survived stage four colon cancer. That made quite an impression on Gene. And then the day we moved into this house was the day that Chadwick Boseman died um, for, you know, from colon cancer. Uh, and then the third one is I had uh, a barber um, in my barbershop died of colon cancer. And so once those three things happened, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to do a colonoscopy. And it's a good thing that I did. Gene found out he was in a high-risk category. I have uh, something called FAP, which, you know, means that I produce more like polyps. And those are the things that lead to, uh, to colon cancers. Luckily, Gene caught this early, no need for surgery yet, but it was something to keep a close eye on. So since then, Gene's been much more attentive to his health, watching what he eats and drinks, with a strong assist from his wife, 
she makes most of the food because by you know a, a lot of times her and my daughter will eat before I even come home. Uh, and so you know because she is very thoughtful uh, about the, the food that she makes, it means I'm also very thoughtful by default. Gene also feels compelled to share his experience and the importance of colon cancer screening with a wider community of those at similar risk. You know, I've also been able to tell other people, and it's good, I think, particularly for African-American men, something that, you know, is more prevalent, in, in, you know, in our community. And again, we talk about opportunity and access to resources. You know, there are, you know, a lot of our health disparities are, you know, are, um, you know, related to societal inequality, right? And so we have to work a little bit harder to make sure that people have access um, an opportunity, but also like to advice and to kind of knowledge about it. So it was a series of random events, Ibram Kendi, Chadwick Boseman, and the barber, that encouraged Gene to go in for a checkup. Those could have easily not happened, and Gene would have never known. Which is definitely an argument for families talking way more openly about health issues, and the sooner the better. There could be lots of things in any family tree we should all be screened for. And now that Gene's dad is in his 70s, they not only talk about their health, they help each other stay on track. They keep each other accountable. And so we didn't really talk about it much coming up, you know, we, but we talk about it now. And so I, oftentimes, like with my dad, like weekly, we discuss what's going on with our health. So it's good to have an accountability partner. It's easy to forget that our body odysseys don't have to be solitary. We could all use an accountability partner. Gene helps his dad keep up with appointments, walking and checking blood sugar. And Gene's dad is his personal cheerleader as he trains for various cycling rides, in particular, the 200-mile Pan Mass Challenge. And since this is a ride to raise money for cancer, that's taken on a different, more personal meaning for Gene this year. This year, Gene's Pan Mass Challenge actually started the day before the event. You know, the Team Kermit folks, they go all in. Gene and his team, they biked all the way from Newton, Mass, to the start of the ride in Sturbridge. It's 66 miles from Newton to Sturbridge, um, 4,500 feet of elevation, extreme hills. Um, you know, we had a full police escort. We had a follow car, just like in the Tour de France, only I was going like a tenth of the speed that they go in the, the Tour de France. The ride was great for team building but maybe not so great for Gene's legs right before the main event. The Friday ride with all the elevation was the hardest ride I've ever done. The next morning, Gene had to leave his hotel in the dark at 3.30 to eat a quick breakfast and get to the starting line by 5 o'clock. Sun's still not up yet. And so really, like, you look across and, um, and it's... You know, and it's dark, but you can see everyone has their like the, their flashers on, and so it's like a sea of like bike headlights and and tail lights. Take a moment, look around you. This is what it looks like. There is a rousing speech by Billy Starr. He's the founder of the Pan Mass Challenge. Twenty five hundred cycling heroes get together for a common mission to defeat cancer. And then thousands of riders mounted their bikes. Then we took off. You 
you know, and so you're riding and it's just, you just it's just a sea of, of rear taillights that you see in front of you, it's covering the entire road at that time. The start of the ride was incredibly hilly. So right away, he fell behind the rest of the team. So my legs were absolutely blasted already at the start. And I remember the first, you know, 10 miles thinking, oh man, I feel like I've already emptied the tank. Gene's legs felt like lead from the ride the day before. So I was introduced to some to an old friend that I hadn't interacted with in a long time. Uh, and that's the, uh, the, 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 the front derailleur, the front chain ring. Gene means the easy gear, an old friend of mine too. At this point, Gene had most of the 100 miles left in the ride. So he says he just found a pace that worked for him and chugged along, trying not to think about how far he still had to go. Soon after, Gene stopped at a rest area and called his dad. He FaceTimed me at, a, at one of the rest stops, which was something like 40 miles in, I think. What's your dad's motivational speech sound like? Um, you know, he, you know, he just kind of, you know, go get him, Gene, or... I think my dad just wanted to hear about the experience. My dad, if he, if he can't be somewhere, he wants to know what it's like and he wants to understand it. I think he kind of wanted, you know, I think in that way you can feel like you're there with someone. Gene got back on his bike. His legs were still shot, but at least the nastiest hills were behind him. And he was approaching the best part of the ride. I will say that I, I feel like the emotional turning point for me was looking out for my family. And then there's a street called Cherry Street in Rentham. But you turn down the street, right? It's like this like festival that just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> right? A full-on block party with steel drums and bagpipes, and on the sidelines amongst the crowd, Gene's whole family was waiting, waving handmade signs, cheering him on. So one of the signs said 100 miles of greatness, which I don't know that it was 100 miles of greatness. I think it was 100, 100 miles that was worse completed. The other one that said kind of go daddy go, that's the sign that always, you know, mean, you know lifts you the most. So you can tell my, my daughter made the sign and she was wearing her Panmas t-shirt. Gene stopped to take pictures with his wife and daughter. She's not really like the kid that likes hugs and kisses, particularly if you're sweaty. Like she's like, get away from me. And, uh, you know, and so when we took the pictures, I didn't get a hug, but I at least got her to stand next to me for like a second, which was nice. <laughs> a bit further ahead, Gene saw his riding partner, Muhammad, waiting for him at the rest area. We were like, you know, two ships passing at all the water stops. But at the last two water stops, you know, we connected and we, and we rode, we rode together the last like, say 25 or 30 miles. Gene and Muhammad finished the ride side by side. And despite Gene's exhaustion earlier in the day, he did complete all 100 miles. When did you next get on the bike? I would imagine you took some time off. I'll let you know when that happens. That's generational Gene steering clear of bikes for the time being, taking a well-earned break, still working out, lifting weights, and watching what he eats. When he does get back on his bike, he wants to go on some rides with his daughter. Hopefully this summer we'll we'll start going on longer rides, because she can probably ride 10 or 15 miles if she wanted now. An accountability partner, another one. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
We're looking forward to catching up with Generational Gene down the road a bit and hoping his medical numbers keep moving in the right direction. Thinking like towards the next few years, um, what do you have your sights set on athletically? Don't tell my wife, but I'd like to get a new road bike. Don't worry, Gene. Your secret's safe with us. Next up on My Body Odyssey, the third in our series on cycling with cancer. This episode features a new protagonist, Susan, who's completed the Pan Mass Challenge, or PMC, a remarkable 20 times. That's despite, and also because, of her metastatic breast cancer. And then it was a long journey of getting chemotherapy and antibody treatment, and then surgery, and then more chemotherapy and radiation. So it was pretty rigorous and uh, intense, but that's when I began, you know, the whole understanding of what the PMC was, was at that time. We sure hope you'll stay with us for Susan's Odyssey of Cycling with Cancer. Share the podcast with friends and family, and also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a great help to us in reaching listeners. Special credit to senior producer Peter Lang-Stanton for this episode featuring Generational Gene. My Body Odyssey is a Fluent Knowledge production. Original music by Ryan Adair Rooney. <laughs>